We are continuing through our worship series out of the letter to the Ephesians. Uh, Last week, Pastor Tom introduced us to the letter to the Ephesians through Paul's pastoral prayer found in chapter 3. And now we're going to kind of go back to the beginning of the letter as we mark our way through the themes of this particular letter of Paul's. So this morning, we're turning to chapter 2 and reading verses 1 through 10. So Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 10. It'll be projected, but if you also have your Bible, you can find your way and just kind of see it in the full context of the letter. But before we hear God's word for us this morning, let us pray for the Spirit to be present with each of us. People of God, let us pray. Lord, listen to your children praying. As we come to your word, as we listen to your Spirit, send us love, send us power, send us grace so that what we hear in your word, what we hear from your scripture, changes our heart and helps us to be more and more in the image of your son, Jesus. In whose name we pray, amen. Amen. So Ephesians, chapter two, starting at verse one through 10. As for you, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, and and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Who is familiar with the elephant and piggy books? Or raise it high, do it proud, you know you love these books. Yes, 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 yes. If you are an adult and you love these books, there's no shame. They are delightful. It is most likely, if you are a kid, or you are a family with young kids, you have an elephant and piggy book, if not all of them, 
on the floor of your house in every room. And if you're an aunt or uncle or grandparent, or you just have the joy of having kids in your life, you know the antics of <clears throat> this early reader book series, which follows the friendship of anxiety-prone Elephant Gerald, who loves ice cream and worries about literally everything, and his best friend, Piggy, who is small in stature, but who loves life to the fullest, and who enjoys a good bowl of slop, as all piggies do. Jacob's current favorite, my son, is this one, the thank you book. And I have his permission to bring it with, and Jacob, I promise it is coming home with me. It will be there for bedtime. At the start of this book, at the start of Thank You Book, Piggy makes the observation that she's a pretty lucky pig. She's got it pretty good. And so she decides to go around thanking everyone in her life. Gerald, ever the pessimist whose uh, glass is always half empty, tells her, you are going to forget someone. You are going to forget someone. There is no way you can go around thanking everybody. You will forget someone. And as uh, Piggy usually does, she just kind of brushes Gerald off and goes about, does her thing. And so as a reader, we follow Piggy along, thanking basically everyone who's made an appearance in one of the stories. Piggy thanks the squirrels, the snake, the pigeon, the mouse, the birdies, the rhino, rhino's big sister, Barky Dog, Pelican, Bear, Hippo, Brian Bat, Whale, Ice Cream Penguin, Dr. Cat, and even the flies and the worms that make an appearance in the books. And at the end of this very long list, as Piggy has danced around thanking everyone, Gerald is right by her side. You are forgetting someone. You are forgetting someone very important. And Piggy wakes up to the fact that oh, maybe he means him. <laughs> I've forgotten to thank Gerald, my best friend. So they hug it out. And he looks at her and says, you're still forgetting someone. And Piggy just has a minor meltdown and says, who am I forgetting to thank? And Gerald points to the person beyond the pages of the book. Piggy, you've forgotten our reader. You forgot to thank our reader. And the two of them break the fourth wall, or whatever it is in literature, and stare out at the reader. Thanking the reader because, as Piggy and Elephant Gerald say together, we could not be us without you. Now, the cosmology of elephant and piggy is slightly different than the one that Paul is using here in Ephesians. But Paul has just spent an extended time of thanksgiving in the first chapter of Ephesians. He has given thanks for the Ephesian Christians. He has given thanks for their love for all God's people, the faith they have in the Lord Jesus Christ, for the power of Christ that is at work, not only in them, but in him and his ministry and all of the cosmos. And it's an extensive list of gratitude to his readers, to God, 
for everything. And the part of Paul, the part of this letter that we're looking at this morning, it's a hinge between this grand section of Paul's thanksgiving, his thanks, and then as he's kind of starting the body of the letter and saying, now what do you do because of that thanks? How do you live that? What does that look like? Verses one and two here, or one, one through seven, not just one through two. If you have it in front of you, look at verses one through seven. That in the Greek is one ginormous sentence. We break it up to make it easier to read, uh, easier to understand, but for Paul, it was just one giant long sentence. It's like as he's getting done with his thanks, he, he just couldn't take a breath or, or waste any space for a period or even two to get out the truth of our lives. That we were dead. We were dead. Dead in sin, dead to God, dead to each other, dead, dead. <laughs> Ruled by whatever whim was in us or in the world around us until God stepped in and got our heart beating again, gave us life again. Life resurrected. Life lived in response to the mercy, kindness, goodness, and grace of God. We were dead. You were dead. And now you're alive. And, and Paul keeps interjecting throughout this passage, numerous times, as if he's anxious that we'll miss the key point he wants to get across. That this life from death that you've experienced, that's the grace of God, period. That salvation and rescue that you are praising God for, that you're singing about, that, that salvation from the consequences of your worst impulses, that was taking you down a path of destruction, yeah, that's because of the grace of God. <laughs> and he repeats himself over and over and over again, interjecting, it is by grace you have been saved. And again, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And again, in that faith, yeah, that wasn't your doing either. That itself is also a gift from God. Grace. Paul keeps interjecting and interjecting just like Gerald does to Piggy. You're inclined to forget someone. In fact, you're probably going to forget someone. D don't forget someone important. Don't forget the most important someone. pretty accurate pastoral concern on Paul's part, I think. We are inclined to forget to thank the most important someone. While we know to sing about grace, talk about grace, we're not particularly inclined to let it sink in and saturate our soul in the reality of our lives, 
need grace. Like, really need it. I mean, sure, other people do. You know, people who really, really, really need God's grace. You know, those people who are really dead in their transgressions and sins. I mean, I say that I'm kind of dead in my transgressions and sins, but, I mean, I'm not really that bad. I mean, at least not as bad as those people. And here, you can insert your own list of the people that you keep tallied who are worse than you. We all have our own version of that list. And by comparison, you convince yourself that, I mean, you haven't done anything really that bad. So yeah, 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 I was dead of my transgressions and sins. God saved me. Absolutely. Thanks be to God. Except Paul doesn't make any equivocation. He, he makes no room for separation. Like, those people were really dead in their transgressions and sins, and I was maybe, at best, semi-comatose. Just, you know, I took it a long nap. I looked like I was dead, but I wasn't really. I'm not really that bad. But Paul says you were dead, dead. Dead, dead. And like the rest, you were deserving by nature of wrath. And if that sounds a little harsh, there's an image that has endured from the early centuries of the church. First coined by Augustine, carried forward by Martin Luther, and I think the imagery has endured because it hits a nerve. <laughs> it's an image that helps us explain just our natural state as humans. In Latin, because theologians love Latin, it's incurvatus in se. That's how Augustine said it. In English, in English it means to be turned or curved in on oneself. That the natural state of the human heart, our natural inclination, is to be curved in on ourselves. So curved in on ourselves that we can't see God, we can't see others, let alone reach out towards them. Our selfishness, our self-interest, our self-consciousness, our selfish desires and wants that harm others, that all leads us on a path of self-destruction, cut off from others and cut off from God. Left to our own devices, that is what we do. <laughs> we curve in on ourselves. That is who we are apart from the grace of God. And while we might find it hard to think about ourselves as dead, dead to our transgressions and sins, we're not really that bad. I think that image of human nature, if we're honest, we're familiar with that posture. We're familiar with that way of turning in on ourselves. And Paul knows, I think, when it comes to our relationship with God, that we find it hard to shake our old habits, 
to, to shake off our old sinful self that is curved in. And at some point, we kind of want to take credit for God's rescue of us, right? To justify our boast that, you know, maybe we were just a little bit more lovable than other people. We weren't quite so bad as them, so it just makes it easier for God to choose us or pick us. That we deserve God's love a little bit more. Because again, insert your list of people that are worse than you, we're not as bad as them. Which is why Paul interjects again and again, it is by grace that you have been saved. Only by grace. And that is a gift of God. Which is Paul's way of saying, don't forget to thank the most important person. Look out beyond the pages of your story and remember that we could not be us without him. We all need to learn how to say thank you. As kids, we have it drilled into us from an early age. Always being reminded to say thank you. For gifts we receive, for kindness done to us, we're nudged to say thank you when our brother or sister passes the potatoes at dinner time. We are drilled into us to say thank you for small things, for big things. And we're told over and over again, remember to say thank you. And I think no matter how old we get, <laughs> maybe especially as we get older, we all need to learn and to relearn how to say thank you. Because the practice of saying thank you for little things, for big things, for the gifts of God received, for the kindnesses done to us, It's that work of the Spirit that undoes our focus on ourselves, our curved inwardness that is our usual state of being. That word of thank you that reaches out <laughs> with appreciation, with gratitude to those around us. And that's often a mark of growing up, right? moving from a self-focused existence to kind of the realization that others exist and you depend on them and need them, and maybe you should say thank you a bit more. It's a sign of maturity. It's a sign of growth. It's a sign of a grateful heart. It's a sign that, you know, you're not kind of a selfish jerk. And that is no different than maturity in the spiritual life. learning to say thank you. Worship, what we are doing here this morning, what we do week in and week out, what we do together as, as a church in our life together, this is a school of gratitude where the Spirit is at work among us, shaping us, transforming us, 
to look beyond the pages of our daily life and remember that we cannot be us without the God who lavishes us with his grace, his mercy, his kindness. Not just in our salvation, but with every breath we breathe. With every day we live. With every person we reach out to. At the baptismal font, God gives us the gift of belonging and love, of, of promises and family. And as the people of God, we learn to say, thanks be to God. At the pulpit, God speaks to us out of his word and story, reminding us again and again of who God is and who we are because of him. And as the people of God, we say, when we read scripture together, what do we say? That's right. And then at the table, God sets a feast before us and invites us to have dinner where God nourishes us body and soul through his son, Jesus Christ. And we say at that table, whenever we come, that this is the gifts of God for the people of God. And as the people of God, we say, one more time, people of God, what do we say? Paul's pastoral prayer that Pastor Tom shared last week is for the church to be filled with the measure of the fullness of God. And that starts here with simple and honest words of thanks. Thanks to the God who made us alive in Jesus, who is rich in mercy, especially when we do not deserve it, who shows us kindness when we have earned anything but, who does not leave us curved in on ourselves, dead to God, dead to each other, but who raises us up in the resurrection life and power of Jesus to be a people of grace, a people who know how to look beyond the pages of our own stories and say, it's all grace. It is all gift. It is all given. And all we do is receive. And God's people say, thanks be to God. Let us pray. Our God of grace, you give us so many good gifts. You claim us as yours. You love us and show us kindness. And for that, we give you thanks. And we know that you don't just pour out this grace on us so that we pool it up around us, but that it overflows. 
out of our own hearts and lives to those around us, that others may experience the fullness of your love, that others may experience the fullness of your gift of faith. And so we ask that through your spirit, you shape us more and more as a people of grace, as a people who know how to say, thanks be to God. Amen.